Hi everyone, my name is Megan and I'm the co-founder of Leone. Welcome to our podcast, Skin Interview. If you're unfamiliar with Leone, we are the virtual skincare consultancy service or your holistic skincare support system, changing the way you shop for skincare for good. Cutting through the beauty BS, we help to decode each of your unique skin needs and help you to build a bespoke routine that actually works. We like to think of it as skincare led by understanding, not hype. The Skin Interview is a podcast for the skin curious. Each week, we interview skin experts, brand founders, and the beauty industry's best on the skin subjects that really matter, bringing you up to speed on trending topics and confusing skin concepts, as well as taking a deep dive into brands that we truly rate. It's simple. Get to know your skin better, and you'll be able to make better choices for it. As you probably know by now, but a little reminder never hurts, we're not tied to any brands or retailers, and we're not paid to promote, so you can be sure that our opinions and recommendations are totally unbiased. Plus, it means that we're not afraid to ask the hard questions. In this episode, we're joined by Sam Farmer, who is the founder of unisex skincare brand, Sam Farmer. He is not only a brand founder, but also has served on the Council of the Society of Cosmetic Scientists and is also the founder of CIN, which is the Cosmetic Information Network. He's the definition of an expert when it comes to cosmetic science. In this episode, Sam and I unpack the age of awareness and the teenage skincare journey. We discuss ingredient scaremongering and misinformation and the effect that it has on all of us. So I hope that you guys will enjoy and thanks for listening. So thank you so much, Sam, for being here with me today. I'm really excited to delve in to this topic with you. Thank you so much for asking me. So why don't we go ahead and just get a little bit more of an intro to you? I know I've just done a little one, but how did you get into to this industry, Sam? What is your kind of background and what made you want to start your own your own line and be really a voice in the industry? Uh, I was a stay-at-home dad, actually. I, uh, When we had our second child, my wife's career was very busy and it made sense for us uh, for me to stay at home. And I'd been bringing up the kids. I've got a uh, daughter and a son, uh, bringing them up at home uh, as equals. And then suddenly they hit secondary school. Their bodies changed. They're entering adolescence. And they had asked me to get a deodorant because their ultimate fear, I suppose, was starting a new school and getting body odor. I thought it was a simple request. I'd gone to the shop to pick them up something. And the first thing I noticed were that these products are segregated, which raised my eyebrow slightly. I thought a deodorant was a deodorant. And then when I'd gone down the aisle for my daughter, products were all pink and purple and had butterflies and unicorns and were called... Minx, tease me, be sinful, kiss me, submit. And then when I found the products for my son, uh, they were called power, control, adrenaline, force, adventure in steel grey, black cans, uh, bigger cans. And actually, when I put those products next to each other, I thought I can't possibly buy these for my two uh, young adults, children. Um, and I was so incensed by it that I decided to just make a deodorant for them. By the time I got home, I looked up online how to make a deodorant and realized that that wasn't going to work and realized I had to do something um, serious about it. And I found the Society of Cosmetic Scientists. I was introduced to formulators. And, and that's really how my journey started. It was this sort of sexual stereotyping in those very specific ways of, of products. And this was nine years ago when I first started. Yeah. So it really came out of that frustration then, I guess, that you probably weren't aware of until you were a parent. And I think there's more awareness around, you know, kids' toys and whether or not, you know, what kind of toys they play with and things like that. But it actually does go into adolescence and with skincare particularly, because this is a little bit of kind of a, I think it's an intimate thing um, to go and get your deodorant and all these kind of personal care products and those scents as well. Um, they can really play into that kind of the sexual side of things. And um, so it's a really Really, really interesting point. And and also, this is a, a time I couldn't believe that an industry that had such an opportunity to engage with young people uh, and start a relationship really uh, in a way that will uh, go through to the rest of their lives. You know, we all use cosmetic products all the time, every day. And, and this was how the industry thought 
it was a good idea to communicate to young people at exactly the time when they are needing proper help from cosmetics. You know, they don't want body odor. They don't want spots, oily skin, greasy hair. They really need help with that. And the messages mm-hmm. and the images being used to sell those products are just didn't ring true to me. Yeah, very problematic. And I guess just to go into a little bit more about the skincare side of things, obviously, adolescents, what we see with a lot of teenagers that come to us, uh, mainly through their parents, you know, their mothers uh, kind of come and do our service, and then they want their children to come and do the service because they don't understand what to use for their kind of acne prone or sensitive skin. And so with this, I guess, demographic and this specific target, Uh, We're looking at things like, you know, oil control and, you know, reduce acne where and there's a real issue with formulation here in terms of what these teenagers are putting on their delicate skin that's new to skincare. So can you talk a little bit about that? um, I guess that frustration as well and and how you then, I guess, got into skincare, too, Uh, and especially because you have such an interest in formulation. So it'd be great to hear your perspective there. When I first started formulating the deodorant, I was working alongside a scientist and I'm a very practical person and I wanted to know uh, exactly what was going in it because I wanted it to work. There was no point in formulating a specifically a deodorant uh, if they were going to get body odor after lunch. you know. So it had to work. It had to be the product that they could trust because they'll never buy it again if it didn't work. And that's when I first came across uh, the marketing battle with the science. And they were saying, do you want to use this ingredient? Do you want to use that ingredient? And I said, well, is is that the best ingredient? You know, I, is, is that the most appropriate ingredient for this age group? And they were saying, yes, but there is a marketing issue out there and people don't really like it. And that started that conversation. And, and, and I, then that really got me going because suddenly the science was being sort of denied really and and no one was hearing the actual facts about cosmetic formulations because it is difficult and it is complex and that's when I decided to go on the diploma course learn cosmetic chemistry and cosmetic science and uh, get to grips with using uh, the right ingredients uh, that I thought should go into these products and and it's also an area that's been pretty much ignored for, for quite some time uh, you know, if, if if young people wanted to use highly efficacious products, they had to spend a lot of money. And and of course, as a young person, you don't have that. Uh, and who who was going to provide them with with efficacious formulations that they actually needed for their skin? Exactly, and that are accessible and that are on the shelf next to those brands that they that they recognize as something they want to use. So if you look at, I guess it's. Um, you know, secret deodorant is a big one in the States. You want, you want to be seen there with those big brands because it's just what they know. It's, you know, there's huge marketing budgets to go behind these. I'm speaking now directly at kind of, um, you know, deodorant brands, but then you have brands like Neutrogena that really target this specific age group with, I, I can see in my head this um, this kind of grapefruit scrub that is used for um, acne prone teenage skin. And so, can you just talk about what if you have a teenager or if you are a teenager listening to this? What should you? How should you go about building your first routine? Because I think that a lot of teenagers get into skincare due to a problem, which is usually you know acne. So, what should they be looking for? Yes, I mean, having had two young people, uh, they don't tend to do anything about it until there's an issue. Um, And I I just really my overarching thing is just go gently, just try and wash your face. It's difficult enough as a young to get your son or daughter to to wash their face in the day because they're busy. They're very busy people. But if if they can just wash their face with a with a mild cleanser, and and then apply moisturizer, which is the most important part, just cleanse and moisturize. They are the two absolutely essential elements that you need. And of course, you know there is SPF, um, which also of course is very important. But do young people think about SPF in the morning before they've got to go to school? Probably not. So try not to complicate it too much. If they can just wash their face and put moisturizer on to rebalance what the, the oil that they've disrupted by cleansing, then, then that's a great place to start. 
And then you can look a bit deeper into term in terms of if they are getting dry skin or slight issues, then you can look at the formulations that are being used. And that's a discussion about maybe uh, the surfactant that's being used in that formulation, you know, maybe sulfates, perhaps um, are a very good ingredient. But if you are getting issues with a, your cleanser that is using sodium laureth sulfate or sodium lauryl sulfate, you might want to go to glucosides or even a milk cleanser if you're getting um, a reaction to that. So, so it's all about just finding out a product that's good for you. But the first step is just wash your face and moisturize. Would you agree? I would so agree. I think that washing your face and making sure that you're using the right cleanser is one of our biggest, um, I think that the thing that people get wrong the most is the cleansing step because they go in really hard with their cleanser and they want to feel squeaky clean. They want to get all of that dirt and grime off from the day. And so they feel that the best way to go about that is to get something that's overly foaming um, and that makes your skin feel tight afterwards because that tight feeling, although I think once you're in skincare, you realize that that's a a feeling that you never want to have. Initially, I remember when I would wash my face, I would love to feel clean, you know, that clean, clean feeling. So I think that it's really somewhere that people can go wrong. And I think talking about, you know, different ingredients that are scary that might be in these type of formulations, what is your opinion on the scaremongering with, you, you talked about SLS. So ingredients like that, that may strip the skin, um, but then also they might be good in other places. So how do you, how do you feel about that? As, as you as you know, Megan, it's, it's a massive sort of area of cosmetics and, and they get banded around, um, chemical names get banded around in all sorts of products. But I think you need to, to take it one step at a time. And, and sodium lauryl sulfates, basically sulfates are a surfactant, which means it, it can bind oil and water together to remove dirt. And it works in a certain way. And it all depends on the concentration in formulation and what else is in the formula, whether or not you get dry skin with it. Um, it's always in wash-off products, really. So it's, it, you apply it, it cleans your skin, and you wash it off. You don't leave it on. Um, but some people get dry scalp with it because it's in shampoos. It's, it can be in toothpaste. So if you have sensitive teeth, you, you might want to avoid that. But going back to the skin, there are other surfactants you can use. There, there are milder surfactants that work in a slightly different way, like the glucosides. And again, there are different glucosides. So so just just try and find a cleanser that works for you and doesn't leave you feeling tight-skinned. It doesn't give you dry patches. And that's why it's very important to put the moisturizer on afterwards. But they're not bad ingredients. Uh, we'll, they are uh, great for foaming and giving you that feel of, of clean skin, but they can be sort of too effective actually for, for some people. Too much, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think, where do you think that comes from? When did all of this scaremongering and skincare kind of start? I mean, I think that what we really, what we really try to fight against is that scaremongering. There's a lot of different myths that can so easily be spread through social media. Even TikTok trends is what we're seeing a lot. These you know, crazy cleanse for 10 minutes kind of trends. So where did this kind of start and how are you, I guess, obviously before you, you know, were in this kind of world, you, you were unaware of it, but then what, from a cosmetic science point of view, do you, do you have to say about the scaremongering? I think it's the growth in independent brands. We used to just listen to the uh, global giants telling us, that we can get on a surfboard and use a certain uh, smell and we'll do this and that. And, and so things have slightly moved on. And with independent brands, they've been able to uh, introduce slightly different ways of doing things that oppose the L'Oreal's and the P&G's and the Unilever's. Um, and, and that was fantastic in the beginning. But then as more and more people jumped into skincare, perhaps... Um, with without how do i say it without the strongest reason for doing it other than just wanting a business um they had to think of something to shout about and try and cut through mm -hmm. to the message and and a lot of those brand founders were not scientists they didn't really understand what they were selling in terms of it's a hundred percent chemical formulation that's very complex uh, they concentrated on the marketing and we've ended up at a place where anyone will say anything about anything 
to make an extra sale. And a great way of doing that is through fear. It's through um, conspiracy theories. They've been telling you lies for so long. I'm the only one that can, you know, tell you the truth. They've they've been using animal animal ingredients or ingredients that are really bad for you, or it's not safe or anything at all to grasp at to sell a product. Now, I'm not saying, you know, our industry is its own worst enemy sometimes, but it's very difficult for a consumer to to listen to somebody saying, I'm only using natural, organic ingredients that's going to feed your skin and anything else you put on, 70% is going to be absorbed into your body. And you know, it's it's a very easy message uh, for a consumer to jump into because it's 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 a it's sort of yes, I, I get that. Yeah, those those companies have yeah. been telling us lies for years. I think it's this sort of self-fulfilling prophecy almost. And and our industry is to blame to a certain extent because there was that fear about certain ingredients, say parabens in 2009. Um, and the, the scientists weren't given an opportunity to say that's wrong. The, the brand owners and the money guys would come in and say, what is this about parabens? Everyone's scared about it. We're not going to make it anymore. And the scientists would say, well, it's actually not right. This is a f- one flawed um, report. And there are thousands of, of reports that counter that. And we've been using it for 100 years and it's safe. And, and so unfortunately, we've been running away and running to uh, please the consumer, which in one respect, I understand. But in certain respects, um, we have to draw the line in the sand and say, no, actually, these are the facts. Um, and this is the evidence. So that's sort of quite a long-winded answer, Megan, but but it's such a big topic. And, and I think it's many faceted areas that have led us to this point where um, no one really knows what they're buying. They're scared. They don't know where to go. They don't know who to trust. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that moving away from, uh, I guess, you know, of course we want to, to sell products, you know, and I think that there's, there is room for innovation and things like that, but we also want to focus more on educating the consumer about the facts and about what, what is and is not true and just have evidence backed answers to people's questions. So that's a lot of what we do is in the consultation, the kind of skin sessions that we do is a lot of, you know, just saying, you know, Oh no, that's actually not, that's actually not true. This is the case. And we do a lot of this myth busting because, you know, we've done loads of our own research. We now, you know, we're about to launch our own um, skin mentor training program that required loads of loads and loads and loads of research and hours of, of us just going through the actual facts and, you know, spending lots of time on NCBI and looking at those studies and what they actually, you know, who they were, what these studies actually tested and who they were testing them on. So I think, you just have to really, and as a consumer, you know, everyone's busy. It's, they don't have time. So they do need people who they can go to, to say, okay, guys, this is, we've done the research. This is what our research suggests. And we're always looking for new research. So, you know, if something new comes out, we'll, we'll keep you updated. But I think that also what people, what's really important is to know that it is, you know, those big guys are regulated, you know, they're more regulated than, than smaller brands in many aspects. And I think, it is really easy to um, go against the, you know, to, to root for the underdog, I guess, which of course we love to highlight small um, independent brands. But I think also we have to realize that there, there are eyes on on these big corporates and they're under a lot of pressure. Um, so they can't churn out new products really quickly as well. There's so much that goes into their formulation and that research to get a product out there. Yes. And I think smaller brands sometimes don't realize that the ingredients that some of the ingredients that they use they're jumping on the uh, coattails of the bigger brands that have gone through the testing, the regulatory aspect of it, the research, and and the bigger brands have done that. And yet the smaller brands sort of shout at them, but use the ingredients that that have got that they've given them. So, you know, I don't think it's helpful. I'm I I would like to go back to uh, marketing where it's based on efficacy really and totally. who who you're yeah. formulating for being a bit more open about it and saying listen my products are are targeted at this audience but they're not going to suit everyone in that audience and and let's have a let's have a chat about sensitivity because people uh, are frightened if they get a sensitive reaction and they don't know what it means they don't understand where it's come from and if a brand can say thank you for letting me know 
here is some more information about sensitivity. It's really important that you've told me because I need to log that. Um, and then if you get too many, then you need to research the batch. And it's a, it's a really important process of the industry. And also, it's not really anything to worry about. You just stop using a product and within a few hours, probably um, your skin will recover. And and it will lead you to a journey of discovering exactly what that sensitivity That's is, right. which will help oh, yeah. you in the future. Yeah. Exactly. And we, so I have rosacea prone skin and we have a lot of, a lot of the people that I talk to come to me specifically for, you know, because they do have the same skin type as I do or a similar, you know, concern, compromised skin barrier, that kind of thing. And so, you know, I, I do think there needs to be a conversation about who, who the product is for and how often you really should use it. You know, we've had some interesting conversation with brands about um, the usage that they suggest being, you know, yes, you can use this two times a day. And it's, you know, we're thinking, well, that is really not something you should be using two times a day every single day. So just being transparent about actual, you know, what, how should you actually use this product? Who actually should use this product? And really in the long term, if you're suggesting, you know, that someone who should be using your product, use your product, they're more likely to benefit from it and like it and come back. So I think that actually it's a win-win. And if you, and if you get an issue with one product in a range, it doesn't mean that, that you can't use that range. It just means that that specific product is not right for you. And that's the joy of being able to mix and match different brands in, in your routine or whatever you need it to do. So, um, you know, brands that say we're the best and we're the all things to all people, I think perhaps isn't the most helpful message. Finding a product that actually works for you is the end goal. Exactly. Exactly. Finding a product that works for you and listening to your skin and what it actually is telling you. And definitely, I think one way just while we're kind of on the topic of sensitivity is to patch test. So really make sure that you're patch testing products that you are not just going, you know, all in with a new routine because you, you know, did a little shopping spree, someone had a sale or something. I think that that, you know, we're all we all get excited. It's like wearing a new outfit. You know, you buy it that day and you want to wear it. So just really easing into it, patch testing your products, making sure that they are suited suited to your, to your skin. And so I want to talk more about, because we've talked a little bit about formulation. I want to talk specifically about your products because we do kind of do this little unboxing section, but also just be great to hear more about, you know, how you went about formulating because you have this cosmetic formulation background now, which is so cool. So do you want to start with your kind of, is it your hero product, your deodorant? Would you call that your, your yeah. hero? Yeah, I think, I think I've got three products out of the range that, that, that really do hone in on teenage, um, skin. I mean, we have other products, but it's slightly generic because hair is ha hair, you know, and uh, you, you sort of twist the, the, the formulation for s certain aspects of that. But, but I would say the deodorant would be the, the one. Um, and, and even down to the size of the packaging to the, to the bottle, um, I wanted it to be able to fit in uh, kit bags and, and pockets and, and blazer pockets inside pockets without being too, um, uh, obtrusive. Mm -hmm. I didn't want a, a spray because from a science point of view, I believe that actually applying the, um, the emulsion formulation to your armpit is the most efficacious way of getting that product to the place where it needs to be. Young people like uh, sprays, but, but I, I think that the propellants used, you know, the butane, the, the butane, the propane, it's, it doesn't really add anything to the formulation. It's just a delivery method. And, and, and I think that um, there's a better way of doing it. And also, if you want to apply your deodorant so slightly surreptitiously, so you don't want everyone to know, then the sound of an aerosol going off isn't the best way to doing that. So that's the thought in just the delivery process. But I had to use an active that was going to be trusted and get them through the school day without having to worry that they would get body odor. And really, there's only one still proven active for that, and that's aluminium chlorohydrate. And that's another conversation I had with my formulators about people were worried about aluminium passing through the skin. Yeah. And, and once you've studied the science, you realize that it's an aluminium salt, which is a large molecule designed to sit on the skin and just block the pore to stop the sweating. And then therefore the sweat that comes out of your groin and your um, armpit is the sweat that smells because it has a protein in it that once it's broken down, causes body odor. So it's only the armpit and the groin really that have those areas. And if you block that, um, that sweat can't escape, which means you stop the, um, the smell. Um, but 
I thought that maybe I didn't have to use the maximum, you know, the 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 market leaders, 48 hour protection, you know, sort of really strong, long lasting protection. Well, you know, young people don't need 48 hours. They just need sort of 12 hours, really, just to get through the school day. To get through the day. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and, and that that aluminium salt just washes off in the shower or the bath anyway, because it's, it's on the surface of the skin. And we could go into a conversation about how aluminium is the third most abundant element on the planet. And, you know, it, it, we eat it every day. It's in food. Uh, it, it, it's in the water that we drink because we use it to trap heavy metals and bring them down to the surface in our tap water in, in, in water treatment. So, you know, we're drinking and eating, we're ingesting aluminium. This is just aluminium salt that sits on the skin. So there's a there's a there's a sort of a laying of fears uh, from from a cosmetic perspective, um, but actually if you if you combine that aluminium chlorohydrate with um, polyglycerol three caprolate, which is a sort of a plant derived active that interferes with the cell structure of the sort of protein that causes the smell, you've got a double acting. Um, formulation there. So you can reduce the um, uh, concentration of aluminium chlorohydrate. Uh, so in fact, I use less than half of what you can legally allow uh, to, to, to use. And I combine that with this other active, which interferes with the uh, cell structure of the um, protein that causes the smell. And suddenly you've got um, a, a really um, efficacious formulation that... that uh, I think is really targeted to that age group. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I kind of think that I could use it too. I mean, we could all probably use that, no? Um, yes. I mean, I yes, people do helps. use it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think that just the thought behind the packaging and, you know, it doesn't need to be four day at hours. So you're not using as much of that kind of active ingredient just so it is, you know, for, I guess for those who may be worried about that ingredient, you know, you can, you can argue that you're using actually half of what what you could be using there. And yeah, so it is targeting this age group and boys and girls. Um, it's this kind of unisex, really beautiful, modern design uh, and packaging. So I think it's, yeah, yeah and, a really great product. And, and facing that aluminium uh, conversation in deodorants. You know, you need to ask yourself what it is actually that you are wear, wear, wary of and when it comes to, is it the word aluminium? Do you think there are bits of metal floating around? Do you think that that's going to actually uh, transdermally penetrate you uh, whilst drinking a bottle of, um, uh, you're drinking a thing of tap water, which you will ingest more aluminium in that than, than we use in the deodorant. So if you're really interested in it, find out the facts. You know, we're talking about um, being able to use aluminium now in lipsticks and toothpaste because it's a it's a great ingredient and it's safe you know some of the most advanced scientific organizations in the in the world are looking at this ingredient all the time as you said you know we're keeping up to date with cosmetic science and we, we are discovering things all the time and i think you need to as a consumer try not to listen to all the shouting and and find somewhere where you can actually get some unbiased information exactly and just one thing on deodorant because i know that one big conversation that you will have heard is about deodorant and breast cancer and this you know this argument that um women specifically i know that breast cancer actually be, can be found in men as well now but um mm -hmm. specifically women need to be using natural deodorant because it can deodorant can cause breast cancer so how do you what is your response to that argument what is there a truth in to, in in that Somewhere. Well, that, that all stems from the Dr. Darbra study in 2009. You know, we could go into this in massive detail, but just to sort of go on the surface of it, um, they found uh, aluminium in all uh, the cancerous Petri dishes that they um, uh, did it. But, but, but they also found it in all the Petri dishes that didn't have any cancer in as well. And um, mm -hmm. so, so they all had it. And it had nothing to do with uh, with the cancer. It had to do with, you know, we think probably what somebody may have cleaned the Petri dishes with. So it has been disproven so many times. And 
you know, you don't have to believe me. Go to the NHS website, go to cancer um, research, go onto their website, look up aluminium in deodorants and read what the actual cancer charities say. Read what the NHS says. And it states very clearly there um, uh, that there is no link between um, aluminium in cosmetic products and any cancer at all, whether that's breast cancer or anything else. Mm hmm. But see, that's an, that's a perfect example of how this shouting, you know, has led to this to you know really consumers talking about it a lot. It's de- it's been a conversation actually at a at a dinner party that was all all girls. Um, they were all we were all talking about what deodorant we used, and some people weren't even using deodorant anymore because they were so scared. So I think that that's a really it's just a really great point of conversation, and so great to kind of hear also a little bit more of the facts um, behind it. So. With that said, I want to move on now that we've talked a lot about, you know, formulation. What about your moisturizer? So you're, we talked about cleansing and moisturizing being two of the most important steps that you can have as a teenager. I would, pro- I would probably just for my skincare, just throw an SPF, please. You'll, you'll, you know, I, I know that maybe people won't listen, but you know, you'll thank yourself when you're starting to get a little bit older that you don't have that pigmentation. Yeah. I mean, um, sun damage is is the one. I mean, sun damage <laughs> is the one. And being a child of the 70s, the, the sun care that oh. I had was just go into the sun, just go into the sea for 20 minutes because you're burning. Uh, that was the sun protection yeah. we cool. had in the 70s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's absolutely, exactly. that's that's the damaging thing uh, and smoking and drinking. But but yes, yeah, sun damage. And sun um, yeah. Yes. But talk to me about moisturizer because okay. I completely agree. It's very, very important, especially once you've washed your face as a teen it's it's so important i mean just to say how important it is when somebody just orders a face wash from me i panic that they haven't got a moisturizer at home it's so important to moisturize because you're disrupting that oil barrier which has to be done because that's the way that you clean your skin it will in some way disrupt that natural oil barrier and you need to rebalance that otherwise uh, the cells at the in your skin will go we're short of moisture uh, we need to produce more oil and 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 so you need to just put moisturizer on to stop that from happening. And as well as using ingredients like, you know, aloe for, for soothing and, and um, you know, caprylic, caprylic triglyceride for sort of moisturizing and glycerin, which we love, and squalane, which is love great. Glycerin. Yeah, love squal- it. squalane is great. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, they're not occlusive, uh, you know, um, glycerin to mectant. Um, you've got tocopheralacetate in there, vitamin E, which is which is good. But but the active that makes it slightly different for um, young adults is um, butyl avocardate, um, which is an active that has been shown. It's got pretty decent clinicals, actually, to show that it can help uh, with the overproduction of sebum, which is what adolescents t- tend to not everybody but they they tend to have that big oil production because their hormones are changing raging and and that that massive sort of sebum overproduction and that's what can cause you know the spots and the the, the, the problem the yeah and, yeah so that's the active that actually can help reduce that so it's, a, it's sort of a mattifying moisturizer it, it it has all the elements of a of a of a good moisturizer in there uh skin compatible ingredients but it also has this active which can help with that overproduction which is great and i would say so much better than using those oil blotting patches that are just you know those little um i used to carry them around in my purse as a teenager and, you know, kind of blot my head, which really just doesn't do the trick because then it just, you overproduce oil because you've just, you know, stripped it back again and again. And you're every time you're thinking, oh my gosh, look, see, it's how much oil was on my skin. And it's like, well, it's about to produce double the amount now. So I think this is a much better solution to, um, you know, to kind of reduce that, that oil, um, excess oil and just keep everything. I, I think the the skin barrier balanced, which is what we want. Yeah, um, I mean, and, and sebum is a, is a is a really it's being produced for a reason. You know, you're growing massively as a teenager, and your skin has to be supple and and able to do that. And that that sebum, that overproduction, it's keeping your skin supple and moisturized. And uh, so, you know, it, it is a it is a it is a good thing as well as causing issues on the face sometimes. While we're talking about moisturizers and and kind of a little bit, we've done a little myth busting too. What do you think about this whole moisturizer makes your skin lazy? How do you feel about that whole myth? Have you heard this one? No, no, I have not heard this one. 
Yes. So this is one of my favorites um, that actually a lot lot of people come to us and they say, well, if I use moisturizer, then my skin becomes lazy because it's not going to create, you know, its own moisture, but it doesn't make your skin lazy. It really, like we said, when you cleanse your skin, you need to then nourish it afterwards and not in teenage. I know that we're talking a little bit more about teenage skincare in this kind of episode, but as you know, an adult, there's other things that we need to do as well, because when we get older, hyaluronic acid in our skin starts to decrease at a pretty young age. Um, and so we need to really not only nourish, but hydrate, you know, with things like hyaluronic acid and nice serums that have a little bit of a lower molecular weight. So yeah, it doesn't yeah, make your skin. I, I mean, uh, instinctively, having heard that for the first time, actually, I would say that it's not a two-way street. You know, what your body's doing inside uh, is very different to what you think. The messages aren't coming from the outside in. You know, we're moisturizing the stratum corneum, which is the top layer of the skin, which is thinner than a piece of paper, but so difficult to penetrate. I mean, virtually impossible to penetrate. I mean, we can do it, but it's really difficult. That's why when you have a bath, you don't come out five times bigger because you've absorbed all the water. I mean, it just doesn't work like that. So your transepidermal water loss, which is your body keeping your skin moisturized, um, when you have damaged skin, obviously you're going to lose a lot more moisture through that skin. Um, and, And when you put moisturizer on the top of that, it doesn't make your skin lazy. It actually can help uh, repair that skin. So, and it's not sending a message back to the body saying, stop transepidermal, you know, there's no need exactly. to keep doing what you're doing. Just stop metabolizing everything. It's fine. We've got it covered because we've put a bit of moisturizer on. It's just not how the body works. It's not how um, that would happen. So, so no, don't, 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 no, no. No, <laughs> no. it's a no. It's so it's funny. A no. It's, it's a strong no. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, a lot of people do say, you know, can I just leave off the moisturizer at night? You know, do I really need this step? And we say, you know, you, you really do. Um, if you have, you know, very, very dry skin, or if you have kind of aging skin, you could do an oil every once in a while instead, you know, we, I do love a rosehip oil here and there. Um, but no, having this, especially as a teenager, I think is, is really, really, really important, especially if you're going to be cleansing just a little bit deeper than, than you may otherwise be. So really good. Now let's talk about the cleansing step. So face wash, cleanser face wash, like we said earlier, it's something that you can get wrong so easily. So talk to me about your, about your kind of face wash and what it, what it does and who it's for. So it's not for preteens. You know, you need to be full in adolescence to, to be using it and you need to be having the stereotypical uh, overproduction of of sebum uh, going on. You need to have the sort of fairly oily skin because although I don't use sulfates, not because they're not good, but because I think there's a slightly better alternative for this age group, which is in um, glucosides, which is a sort of slightly milder surfactant. It is still a surfactant. So it is still joining the oil and the water together and it will take oil away from your skin because it, that's how you get clean skin. You need to cleanse your skin. That's what cleansing, as we know, that's what cleansing is. It is the cleaning of the skin. Um, but with that, it, it, it also has aloe in as the second ingredient. So it has a soothing element to it as well. But um, you, you must uh, moisturize afterwards. It, it is there to clean the skin. It is there to sort of Get rid of the excess oil, uh, clean the pores, and just get your skin to stop backing up, if you know what I mean. So the pores don't get blocked. It keeps that keeps that open and free so the sebum can just keep coming out and not getting blocked. Um, and, and that's what it's designed to help to do. Um, if, you know, I have had some people, uh, 10, 11-year-olds using it, it's not for that age group. You know, they, they, it's, it's probably even these mild surfactants are too probably much. too strong for, for that. So it is specifically designed for sort of, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, when they've got that big surge on. And it comes to people at different ages. It does. And I think that that's something important that I, I do want to know if you're, you know, we have, and now acne also, something important to say is that acne doesn't always go hand in hand with overproduction of oil. Um, but it, in this age group, it does tend to be pretty linked. You know, you have the hormonal thing going on, but you also have that excess kind of oil production. So it, it can really help. Yeah. With- and this isn't for acne. 
if you've got acne, you shouldn't be using a commercial cleansers. Um, you need to get um, specialist help from the likes of you, Megan, uh, and your GP, and you need to be looking at that. The moisturizer is fine. Um, we've had people on Accutane, Rare Accutane using it. But uh, when it comes to facial cleansing, if you've got acne, which is a disease, you really need to be looking uh, for professional help with that. Exactly. Yeah. Acne, we say grades kind of three and four, especially. Um, that's where we're, you know, we kind of put our hands up and say, this is actually out of our, we can, we can help you with building a very gentle routine around medication and, and things that you're doing. You know, maybe it's a topical or something, but yeah, that, that for us too is out of our kind of specialty, but we, you know, with acne grades one and two there, you know, we can definitely help to, to design a, a gentle skincare routine, which at many, many times it does just need to be really gentle because the skin is so is inflamed, it's compromised. And so you need to just be gentle, especially with cleansing and things like that. So I think, so with the excess oil flow, uh, that you that you may have when you want to use this cleanser that can come not just at, at, at the teenage years it can come a little bit later too and different phases in our life as well based on where you're living um, you know your environment plays such a huge role into your skin so I know when I'm in Texas my skin is actually much happier which is sad because I don't live there most of the time but my skin's happier you know it's just oh. a kind of humid climate it's it's mm -hmm. my skin's I'm not getting this dry, you know, London air, and it's also not as polluted. Um, because and the sun kind of shines a bit more. I mean, the sun is, you know, yeah, you, the sun is is good for the skin uh, if you're, you know, in moderation and 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 you have the protection, protection in case. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, and I'm sitting indoors all day, every day, looking at a computer, so I'm not up and about stuff. So it's not not great, uh, not great for the skin. <laughs> But um, yeah, just important to note that that this type of cleanser could be used, um, you know, outside of that specific demographic if you are having that kind of excess oil flow as it's, an older adult. Yeah, it's an everyday mild uh, cleanser that is designed to help young people first get into getting into a habit of washing their skin, um, and mm -hmm. it, you and. It, you can use it every day in the morning or you can use it every two days or three days or wh whatever that is. But it's just it's it's just really there as a, as a mild alternative to some of the others uh, that are there. And it has, you know, it has the aloe as the second ingredient as well, just to help with that extra soothing because because it is yeah. disrupting the skin barrier. You know, it's a cleanser. Yeah. And so how do you, with all of your products and with your kind of range and your brand philosophy, how do you market to your, your kind of your clients, which are these kind of, you know, this teenage age group, because we talked about what we don't like. So how do you speak to your clients and what's your kind of brand philosophy? Oh God, that, that is what I've been battling with since I started. You, the, the customers are generally the parents because young people uh, will buy certain cosmetic products. But when it comes to personal care, like a deodorant, they don't really want to have to to buy one. They want their parents to buy it for them because they consider it to be an everyday item. And it's it's difficult. The, anything you say to a teenager, they're not really going to want to hear from a middle aged bloke. Um, <laughs> I so, want to do the opposite too. You know, that little yeah. rebellion. Watch your face every day. They're like, I'm never going to do that. But if you tell them to do it, you know, to never do it, they might. <laughs> so, so I, I, I have just produced uh, printed material and messaging that uh, talks to the to the parents, but when when the products are delivered to the young people, it doesn't tell them who they should be or how they should behave. You know, it's just an alternative. And I try not to make any claims. I try not to make the packaging look as though it's designed for them. I don't use uh, targeted uh, uh, branding or anything like that because I think whatever you do. Uh, is going to be seen as a bit bit cynical. Just just make a deodorant, just make a cleanser, just make a moisturizer. Call it what it is, and and do the best you can in formulation. And if it works, uh, that's the best uh, way of getting uh, somebody interested in the product. Yeah, we we love that because there's so much marketing jargon. It's so confusing, and there's a lot of to touch on that marketing jargon. There's a lot about skin types, which we've talked about. But there's a lot of this, you know, this is for X skin type. This is for all skin types. This is not for this, you know, this is anti-aging, which, you know, what does that even mean? And so I think that that just discussion around, you know, saying, okay, this is the product. Here's what it does. 
this is kind of, do you say who should use it? How do you get, how do you do that, that part of things? Because skin types is such a, it's a hard one. It, it is a hard one. I, I have generally just put, it, you know, it's for adolescent skin. Uh, so, uh, but I, I have had people using it, as I've said, before adolescence. And so I'm thinking now that I'm going to have to put some sort of age range on it. Don't Maybe don't use if you're under this age. And that will exclude some people who it might be useful for, but I'd rather do that than than somebody use it and, and it not be right for them. But it, it's difficult. I mean, I have formulated for adolescents. But as you said, anyone can use the deodorant. And a lot of people do at many ages. But I did have an idea of who it was for. That's who the packaging is sort of designed at. That's who the formulation's designed at. But it doesn't exclude anybody from using it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and with skin types, yes, I mean, formulations are generally for a specific type of 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 skin type, if you're my age, I, you know, I, I my skin's slightly thinner and uh, it's slightly drier, so I need a thicker moisturizer uh, for that. Or when you're younger, you don't need that as uh, that that thickness. You don't need the oil. No, you know, you need something else. You need something else, and that's again like with our kind of these skin sessions that we do, the consultations we you need to come to us, you know, at different points in your life because your skin changes so much. I mean, from day to day, your skin can change, you know, drastically if you're really stressed at some point or, you know, you aren't sleeping, you know, it can change literally overnight. So I think that that's really important also to just know that there are certain things that are better for certain skins. So I love that. You can't be all things to all people. And the, the, the cosmetics industry tries to do that, I think, sometimes. And brands, we had that conversation about sensitivity. And brands seem to be terrified of saying, you may well get um, a sensitive reaction. Um, it's unlikely, but you may get it because you can be sensitized to virtually any cosmetic ingredients over time. Um, and the, the actually important message is to find out what it is and have an open and honest discussion about that. And, and also that's quite interesting. You know, why are you sensitized to that? And so it, it, I, I find that far more interesting than saying, we are designed for skin. You'll never get a reaction from us. Uh, it's the mildest thing ever. You know, it just, it just is a little bit duplicitous, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're really going on that skincare journey, you, you have to be able to kind of be open to trying different things. And, you know, this trial and error, even though it can, you know, we try to decrease the amount of trial and error you have to do. That's kind of what we're designed to help people do, you know, at least put you on the right path. So I think that, you know, guide you on that kind of that journey. So yeah, I completely agree. And I think and it's so important, Megan, for, for people to, to be able to have access to, to guys like you, because as brand owners, really, you're only focused on what you're doing and, and the ingredients you're using and what's, what you think is right for, for your audience. But what you need is you need people who have a broad experience in lots of different brands, lots of different products, because then yeah. I wouldn't know if, if, a, if another brand had a great product for something you know, yeah, I, I, I'm not aware of it, but of course you guys are, and you can pick and choose from the massive array of products. So it's so helpful. It is. It is. We think it's helpful too, you know, but I think that it, it is so helpful and you can look at it, you know, with being a brand owner, you're so focused on what you are doing too. And so it can be hard to kind of look outside of, outside of yourself. And so that's what we're, we're here to help with. And there's so many amazing brands, so Absolutely. many. And within those, there are so many great products that we can pick and choose from. So yeah, ex- it's exactly that. And for you guys, do you are you kind of formulating anything new? Do you have anything exciting, you know, coming out for us to look forward to? We do have something. We've got a, a blemish gel, which is for when people get that occasional couple of spots that the, you know how you can feel it building. Um, oh, yeah. and, and this is like you know a, yeah. So this is a, a, a sort of a um, uh, an emergency. Uh, product. And it's the first time that I've used acids. It's the first time that I've used quite an expensive 
um, microalgae active that has fantastic clinicals, which we could go into it, but but it, it has a lot of claims. And I don't really, I'm not into making claims, but the clinicals look fantastic. So uh, I've included it and it's got lactic acid and salicylic acid and um, various concentrations. And and, and so I'm, I'm really excited about it. So, you know. I'm really excited about it. I, we love, we love salicylic acid. We also, we love lactic acid too, but I, you know, big fans of BHAs um, over here. So they can be really, really great for those kind of stubborn spots. I always promised myself that, that I wouldn't be that brand owner that would say, I'm so excited about it. Cause I always think you're not really that excited about it. Are you surely it's just a product, but uh, the, I, I suppose my excitement is that the fact it's been a long time coming, it's been, a long time formulating and I've been waiting for these clinicals for this active for quite some time. And when you see a new product out there, new ingredients out there, I'm very wary of them. And I wait for a couple of years just to see how it goes in formulation and is it being delivered at the right concentration, at the right depth, the right amount of time, what's it compatible with, and and now's the time. So uh, it's been a long time coming. No, it's amazing. And we get a lot of questions about spot treatments too, um, because, you know, especially for people who have sensitive skin that then have a breakout, it can be really hard to find, you know, you still want something that's active that you can put on it, but you don't want to put that all over your face. So you don't necessarily want to use a face wash that has a BHA all over, you You know, you, you really want to be targeted with it. So I, I do like a targeted treatment. And I think, you know, some of them have been pretty intense in the past. So I'm excited to see this one. It's, it, I think it's Just exciting. I get really excited about, I get really excited about skincare though, obviously. So maybe, maybe that's just me, but I, yeah, I'm excited to see it. When is that coming out? Is there, is there a launch date yet for people to look at, or is it still kind of it will be late. Yeah, it'll be late. Unfortunately, with Brexit and various other bits and pieces, um, it's going to be a little longer. Even though we manufacture in this country, the packaging is coming in from Europe, a very specific. And so that that there's a you know there's a slight delay, but the, the end of the year, it should be in our hands. Perfect. Well, we will keep an eye out for that one. And so I guess just to close, because we've we've covered a lot, um, I think, in this kind of hour, I just quickly want to just give any tips for um, practical tips for this category and kind of round it off. I know that we've given some, but do you have any other tips for teenagers or their parents who, you know, are, are kind of stuck or don't know what to do about their skincare routine? Don't be afraid to try something. It's all about just get uh, a, a young person to, to wash their face and moisturize. Uh, just try something, try a product. And if if it doesn't work or you don't like it, just buy another one. Um, don't go all in very expensive at the start. Just because it's more expensive doesn't mean it's any better. You're going to get a better result. Just Just try something uh, and if it works, then stick with it. And if it doesn't work, try something else. Um, and then if you start to have issues, then go and see Megan. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. That's I second everything that you've said. So I think um, if you do have any questions, you guys can come to us, of course, and then check out Sam's Instagram and his brand. Sam, what is your what is your Instagram handle and how can people get a hold of you? Probably the most useful is Twitter. Um, it's Sam Farmer underscore co co. So Sam Farmer underscore co, and it's the same on Instagram. But but Twitter's the one where I I give my opinion and I sort of break down some uh, myths about various things and scare stories, and I'm much more vocal on that. And you can reach me directly. I mean, people send me messages all the time, so please feel free. I love it. And you have a new myth that you can bust moisturizer being lazy. So (laughs) I'm looking forward to to hearing more about what you have to say about that one. Thank you so much for listening. And don't hesitate to contact us if you have any question. You can reach us on DM on leon.ldn or email us at hello at leonldn.co.uk. Don't forget to check out our website for more info on our virtual consultations and for bookings. It's time your skincare earned its place on your bathroom shelf.